Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're continuing our way through Romans chapter 8. All of this is on the heels of a sermon that looked at Romans chapter 7 going into the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 8. I wanted to go back and zoom in piece by piece on all of this because for real this time is a series built around those who come back to church post-Easter. We know that church attendance is down nationwide compared to pre-COVID numbers 30%. And I can't imagine what that's like here in the Pacific Northwest. And so what's going to be different this time? You came back to church because it was Easter, but what's going to make you stick around this time? This week, as we go through Romans chapter 8, we're seeing more and more about life in the Spirit of God, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 is a puzzle piece of a massive, massive, beautiful mosaic of theology. And all of this, it arrives at its pinnacle, I believe, in Romans chapter 11. But Romans chapter 8 in particular speaks about the Christian life on the heels of Paul's struggle as what he calls a wretched man in a body of death. He has this Holy Spirit of God living within him, but he also has this flesh that is depraved and in the very marrow of his bones he has this desire to also do things that are dishonoring to god so what's the difference between the non-christian and the christian the christian has the holy spirit the holy spirit will convict you for sin the holy spirit is the one who drew you to christ in the very first place the holy spirit has ministries that enable us to call out to god as our abba as our father we are adopted. This Holy Spirit is a down payment guaranteeing our inheritance that is to come. The Holy Spirit is everything in the daily Christian life. It's why we go through the Word of God. We know Jesus is the Son, the Logos. He is the Word through whom the universe was created. We revere the Father, but we need the Holy Spirit just to take every single step. Now, here's Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Let's talk about this, because this is an incredibly important verse. It was a part of our sermon this past weekend, but I also know that there are some of you who may come at a verse like this with some baggage. And there's because, that's because there are some false teachings around this verse. And they all pertain to what it actually means to have the Holy Spirit. If you look at an Assembly of God church and you look at a Southern Baptist church, the two are doctrinally nearly identical except for one difference, what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now that one difference is a pretty colossal difference. Because there are many within charismatic denominations, not just uh, Assemblies of God, but various charismatic denominations who will tell you that you have the Holy Spirit if you speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God. And this results in something that's really, really unfortunate. There are tormented souls within these charismatic churches that will come to pastors, not within their own denominations, they'll come to me because they don't really speak in tongues. They're faking it. This is brutal. This is, this is a really sad place to be. I cannot tell you the number of conversations I've had with people who have come from these churches and they've said like, my dad's the pastor. How can I tell him that I'm just faking it when everybody speaks in tongues? I wanna be real. I, I, I love Jesus, but what they tell me is that if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not saved. And these churches will utterly ignore 1 Corinthians 
chapter 14. We taught on this in our series, uh, Into the Fray. And we went into the fray and uh, this letter to an off-the-rails charismatic church in the city of Corinth dealt with this very practice. It dealt with the gift of tongues being elevated above proper biblical prophecy. And it put the gift of tongues in its proper place, and that is actually at the bottom of the list of priorities for spiritual gifts, according to Paul. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in the context of the church, I'd rather you speak just five intelligible words than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is Paul speaking to a charismatic church. Go back and watch Into the Fray. Go look for our sermon on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, because it deals with all of this head on. And I know that if you come from one of those backgrounds, this verse, this passage could be hurtful for you. Because you came from a background that said being baptized in the Holy Spirit necessarily means speaking in tongues, and that's simply not true. Again, go back. We had taught on this exhaustively uh, through our series, Into the Fray. You're, if uh, You, however, are not in the flesh. What is he talking about here? This is on the heels of what came before in verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, so if your mindset is stuck on the things of the flesh, your whole world revolves around getting your next fix of whatever your poison is, you're not pleasing God. So this comes on the heels, actually, of a verse about somebody who is unrepentant from sin. To see verse 9 plucked out of context and to see it taught in such a way that it says, like, okay, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved, and that means if you don't, that means you don't have the Holy Spirit because you're not speaking in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's 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 uh, abdicating even the most basic form of context. Like back up one verse. If your mindset is on the things of the flesh, you cannot please God. That is verse eight, and then here is verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. It seems like a paradox, right? You know, well, of course you exist in a fleshly vessel. Stay tuned for more on this because, you know, like we saw also in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5 and 6, uh, you do exist in the flesh, but you exist more eternally beyond what the flesh contains. There's more to you than marrow and sinew, protein and plasma. There's more to you than merely your flesh. In fact, I would say what matters eternally more is what the flesh merely contains. So you do exist in the flesh, but you live by the Holy Spirit of God every single day. You know the fruit of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, a far less popular list exists. You ever noticed that when you see those artistic renderings of the fruit of the Spirit, it always has the, the word but in front of it, right? The coordinating conjunction, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Why, why is there a coordinating conjunction at the beginning of that sentence? Some, you know, some artistic pieces that, that include all this will just elide that and they'll just say, the fruit of the Spirit is. But that, that's not the original intent. And in, in Galatians, Paul was ticked 
All right, he was angry because there were these Judaizers, mutilators of the flesh, as Paul called them. We were going around saying it's not enough just to be saved. You don't just confess that Jesus is Lord. You also have to be circumcised as a grown adult. And so legalism was rampant throughout the whole region of Galatia, and Paul was writing to rebut that, filled with the Holy Spirit, using language that was pretty shocking. He was saying, if you're going to insist on other people being circumcised, why don't you go all the way with that blade yourself? Why don't you mutilate yourself while you're at it? Okay, and you can kind of, it doesn't take much imagination to see what Paul's telling these guys to do to themselves. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. You can see he's furious with this legalistic addendum onto the text. He's talking about the mindset of the flesh, and its results are just, this is a list of depravities. Nobody ever buys from Bed Bath & Beyond an artistic rendering of the fruit of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. That's why that coordinating conjunction comes at the beginning. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, this is this is also predicated upon. Uh, this is also, you know, uh, predicated upon the understanding that the person reading this is in fact a Christian, and that you do have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. All right. So, if you have the Spirit of God living within you, you're not in the flesh. You may go back to the flesh to visit from time to time when you miss the mark. Hamartia is the Greek word here, it means to miss the mark. That's where we. That's the word that's translated sin. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So you belong to Christ if you have the Holy Spirit convicting you for sin, filling you with supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. According to the book of 1 John, if you love God, if you love His people, you love His church, if you obey His commands, the original intent behind the book of 1 John was to rebut Gnostic infiltrators who were trying to come in as false teachers. And so Paul, or rather John, wrote three letters to help distinguish the Gnostic infiltrators from the real true apostles, the real true Christians. And the way that we can apply that today is by way of knowing if we're saved. We look at the litmus test that first and second and third John provide, they can tell us. We know that for sure that we're saved. Now, on the topic of Gnosticism, its heresies exist anew in the church today. And often, I hate to say this because this is I love the charismatic church, and it's the only growing, they're the only growing denominations of Christianity in the world are all charismatic denominations. Some charismatic churches are reinventing Gnosticism, and they're reinventing it in the form of God has given me a divine inspiration for you. And they go outside the bounds of scripture and they rarely open their Bibles. And so what they end up doing is inadvertently reinventing the reason that 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were originally taught. So if you came to this text with some baggage from your childhood church, and this, 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 this struck a chord with you in a bad way, look at it in its full context. All right, those who have the mindset of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives within you, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. It is reassuring if you do have the Holy Spirit, you do have that conviction, you do have that fruit of the Spirit flowing through you, you do love God, you do love his church, you do love his people. That doesn't come from your flesh. That is a miracle of God. And those who try to add on to scripture and say, God told me this thing, God gave me this special revelation, they're literally reinventing the, the namesake Gnosticism, gnosko, as in to know, as in I've been given special knowledge by God. All right, again, divine revelations from the Holy Spirit of God 
that are consistent with Scripture are redundant, and those that are in contradiction with Scripture are, in fact, satanic. So keeping in step with the Holy Spirit of God, having the Holy Spirit of God within you doesn't mean speaking in tongues, and it certainly doesn't mean adding on to the Bible. Those who taught you that if you didn't speak in tongues were saved were actually Gnostics. This is a brutal text, however, if you know you don't have conviction for sin. You don't really love God, if you're honest. You don't love the church. You don't really have a whole lot of peace and joy and patience. Those things are pretty hard for you to come by. If that's you, let this text draw you to repentance. Let the kindness of God draw you near right now. If that Holy Spirit of God, whose fruit seem lacking in your life, is drawing on your heart right now, pray out the words of Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And that is where the Holy Spirit's ministry begins in your life. I'll see you tomorrow because we've got a lot more to see here in the book of Romans. Romans.